Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, October 15th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, Chris, we have a pretty short episode today. Three things I want to talk about. First up, we have uh, some interesting news from the set of Indiana Jones 5. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, there are some set picks going around uh, from the location shooting, which is currently going on in Sicily. And they show what appears to be uh, Roman soldiers, like ancient, we're talking ancient Roman soldiers here, or gladiators, or something along those lines. That's what the costumes look like. And that is, of course, very confusing because uh, as far as we can tell, Indiana Jones 5 initially at least takes place in the sixties because earlier set picks showed uh, newspaper headlines talking about the moon landing, which was in 1969. So uh, this is, this raises certain questions and there uh, before these picks even surfaced, there was a rumor going around on Twitter, which of course isn't the best source for news, <laughs> but uh, the rumor was going around that the film would involve time travel and everyone sort of shrugged that off and they're like, no, that's not going to happen. But these picks sure make it sound like 
time travel is involved. Uh, you know, to be fair, this could be some sort of flashback scene. Like it could be jumping back to ancient Rome to show whatever artifact Indy is chasing in the sixties, but it could very well be time travel. I, I, you know, and I I know like the knee jerk reaction to that is going to be like, well, that's stupid. But uh, you know, this series, it exists in a, um, a world where multiple religions have proven to be right and aliens exist. So (laughs) I feel like, you know, they, you know, they've firmly established they can get, uh, outside of the the real world with this stuff, so I'm I'm kind of I kind of hope it is Tydro because it'll be so different than what we've seen before, and I kind of feel like Indiana Jones needs something different at this point. Yeah, that flashback structure you talked about, where it could you know be showing the origins of whatever MacGuffin uh, India is trying to track down in this movie. I don't think that they've done that kind of thing before. Like we never saw yeah, you know no. the Ark of the Covenant in biblical times or yeah, whatever. Like the, the closest is. Last Crusade, which starts with a flashback to India as a kid, but that's like different than yeah. really the main thing. So, I, yeah, I can't like, you know, I said that to, to cover my bases, but I don't think it's that just because, like you said, there aren't that hasn't happened before. Yeah. And I mean, another thing that hasn't happened before is uh, we've never seen an Indiana Jones movie that hasn't been directed by Steven Spielberg. So like just thinking about this from a James Mangold perspective, like, you know, I've liked a lot of his movies. I think you have as well. Um, And, you know, he's going to be certainly under the microscope with this movie. So for um, for there to be any significant shifts in, you know, what the audience expects from an Indiana Jones movie, uh, I think is is kind of a uh, a bold swing for him as a filmmaker because like yeah I said, he... I'd much rather you know look I don't want to I don't want to slag on JJ Abrams I think he's a he's a nice guy and I like some of his movies but you know JJ Abrams comes from that same like Spielberg school where he you know he was handpicked by Spielberg for things and JJ Abrams solution was to basically mimic Spielberg and I'd much rather, you know, if Spielberg isn't directing this, which he isn't, and that bums me out a little bit, but I'd rather have James Mangold, like, you know, go nuts and swing for the fences rather than just being like, I'm just Spielberg 2.0 here. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that's what's happening. Yeah, hopefully it will be interesting regardless, one way or the other, even if it's a catastrophic failure, yeah. um, it will it will certainly make this um, this. Uh, film franchise a little bit more interesting. Um, so speaking of interesting filmmakers, M. Night Shyamalan has a new movie uh, that is coming out, what, in 2023, and the title for this film has been revealed. Chris, tell me about that. Yes, the title is Knock at the Cabin, and it's going to be released on February 17th, 2023. Okay, so that's all we know about this movie so far. Is that correct? Do you, yeah, there's, there's really much nothing. And that's sort of like his, uh, his MO for his last few films. Like we really didn't know what old was about until very close to release. Okay. So let's just wildly and irresponsibly speculate about the title knock at the cabin. Uh, I mean, in, in my mind that immediately conjures up, you know, a, a sort of cabin in the woods type of horror movie, uh, especially considering the, uh, the type of filmmaker that, that M. Night Shyamalan is and the type of stuff that he's proven to be interested in. Um, if that is the case, what do you make of, uh, of M. Night Shyamalan, you know, doing a sort of classic cabin in the woods kind of movie? I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all in on pretty much everything M. Night Shyamalan does at this point. Cause even when it doesn't work, it's always interesting. Like 
I don't think everything in old worked and there's a lot of goofy shit going on in that movie, but <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate a filmmaker who has enough clout and is willing to take risks like this, where he's willing to use, you know, the power he has to go out there and make original movies. You know, I know old was adapted from partially from a comic book, but in the grand scheme of things, that's, you know, original movie. It's something that's not a sequel or a reboot or a remake. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, he's one of the few filmmakers that it's like it's like him and Christopher Nolan at this point where he can use the power he's amassed from making hit films to go out there and, and do original stuff while everyone else is sort of stuck doing reboots and adaptations and stuff like that. So even if this turns out to be, you know, a disappointment, I'm sure it's going to be memorable in some ways. You know, I feel like all of his movies, even when they're really bad are memorable because i like i feel like glass is a really bad movie but there's stuff in that movie i'm never gonna forget just because it's so friggin weird so (laughs) you know i I, you know i just you know i appreciate that we you know he's he's working right now and he's one of the few filmmakers taking risks like this on on a on a grand scale yeah when you were talking just now uh i don't want to spoil glass in case people haven't seen it but let's just say what happens to bruce willis in that movie um is is certainly memorable we we can say that much so um all right so let's talk about our our final story here and these are some uh a quote from joe russo who is the the, one of the directors of avengers uh endgame and and infinity war uh and he said recently at a a, uh, rome film festival market some sort of um conversation there. He said, I don't see a resurgence of independent movies at theaters. I just don't. You get more money to make them digitally. It's the easiest thing for Netflix to green light and nobody really bothers you creatively. Uh, his quote goes on there, but but I just wanted to sort of highlight his um, sort of bleak outlook about the future of independent films and talk to you about this for a minute. So I, in the interest of not repeating uh, talking points and conversations that we've had on this podcast for the past several years, um, you know, theaters have not proven that they deserve to be saved. We've talked about that a lot. So I, I wanted to see if we could approach this topic from a slightly different angle. And instead of just dreading that, oh no, one day um, only the big blockbuster movies will be available in theaters and you'll never be able to see or, or very rarely be able to see indie movies in theaters again, instead of like dreading that that is a thing that's going to happen. Let's um, let's jump into a time machine and and fast forward. Let's say five years, where and just assume that this change has already happened. And let's let's think about this and see if we can predict whether or not this is actually going to be as bad as we have thought it was going to be. As bad as Joe Russo seems to think it's going to be. Um, do you have any thoughts about this generally, Chris? Before we like try to get into it a little bit more. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm in this weird place. I'm always in this weird place where I, you know, I consider myself a cinephile for, for lack of a better term. Uh, I love movies and I love watching movies on the big screen, but I've said this countless times on this show where going to the movies has really become a pain in the ass. And this was even before the pandemic where just people don't, people do not know how to act in public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, I actually fear that the pandemic is going to make this even worse because yeah. people spent a year, more than a year stuck at home. So now that they're finally getting out again, they're, they're even, they have even less social skills than before. And they're just going to act like, you know, wild animals in movie theaters. <laughs> so, you know, it's always, a, it's, I'm always like the worst person to ask about this stuff because 
yeah, among cinephiles, that that seems like a controversial opinion when I say like I kind of prefer watching stuff at home now because I'm just sick of other people at movie theaters. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They're like, how dare you? I, the, the, the movie theater must never die. So, you know, I, you know, it's always, it's always tricky for me to, to weigh in on this sort of thing. Yeah. I think even in this sort of bleak future that we're quote unquote bleak future that we're imagining movie theaters are not dead. They're just uh, a little bit more rare or maybe more expensive or like pretty much only blockbuster stuff or maybe only um, movies that are nominated for Oscars or something. Maybe that's the only way that smaller films get put into um, indie theater or, or, or indie films get put into sort of mainstream uh, cineplexes or whatever in this sort of reality that we're imagining here. Um, the consumer behavior point that you mentioned is, is really interesting. I think, you know, back in 2013 when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were predicting that, Hollywood would eventually experience an implosion. I think that's happened already. Um, I think we're there. And I, I'm wondering if you think that this comment from Joe Russo, that this might actually mean that the future for independent movies is is uh, maybe paradoxically brighter than it's ever been before. Because, um, well, let, let me put it this way. What do you think constitutes success for a typical indie movie, Chris? What, what do you think a, su- a successful um experience is for somebody releasing an independent film you mean like besides like box office or yeah i guess besides or or if box office is a component of it that's fine too. i mean i feel like box office is a component of every movie even if people don't want to admit it but you know, movies are made to make money even even the most independent movie people are like i hope this makes money no one's <laughs> like no one's like i hope this flops but <laughs> i kind of think the, the the success whatever you want to call it really relies on cultural impact. And I Mm kind of think that is the downside to this because yes, Netflix has, you know, not getting into Netflix's current situation, which is uh, a little unfortunate with how they're handling certain things, but uh, Netflix as a whole, uh, they have been willing to, to throw a lot of money at a lot of different people to make movies unfettered you know martin scorsese got a lot of money to make the irishman when studios didn't want to give him that money Mm -hmm. and uh or even you know there's movies on a smaller scale being made for netflix and that's good but the problem is streaming services as a whole haven't entirely figured out how to make movies an event and i feel like that's the the biggest problem here because when something goes to a theater especially now in this age where uh, exclusive theatrical releases are even rarer than normal with the pandemic Mm -hmm. movies that are movies make it movies become successful when they make an impact like free guy a movie i i've said last time i was on the show (laughs) i don't like at all I still will admit that movie had an impact because it got people talking about stuff and it, you know, people went to see it and people were like, I want to see that in the theater. And, you know, that became as much as I hate to say it, that became like a, a cultural touchstone for, you know, this, this year or whatever the hell it came out last year. So I really think that's, that's what's going to be lost here. If Joe Russo is right and indie movies will only exist on streaming platforms, you know, on one hand, it's nice that those movies are getting made, but I have a bad feeling 
those movies are going to just get lost in the ether. There's, there's so much, uh, you know, quote unquote content right now that Netflix will release stuff or Amazon or, or Hulu or HBO max will release stuff. And like three days later, no one is talking about it. Like they might talk about it the weekend it drops, but like, you know, a few days later, no one cares. And a lot of this stuff also doesn't get like, you know, Blu-ray releases or home video releases mm-hmm. it just stays on, on streaming. And I think that's a problem too. Like, you know, the Irishman, thankfully that got a criterion release, but that's, that's the exception, not the rule. Like the, the fear street movies, which I thought were really good. And, you know, they, they had a, a lot of buzz for a while there, but so far there's no talk of those ever coming to home video. And I feel like people are just going to like, forget about them. They're going to fade into the background for the next thing. And that is unfortunate. And, and I, I do think that's, that's the real thing that's going to be lost here. That, that, that event, that cultural lasting power, that thing where we, we, we keep talking about the movie in, in weeks and years to come. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, to try to answer my own question, I'm, I was thinking about like what I think uh, a success would be for a typical indie movie. And for me, it would be like, you know, three or four things like a splashy premiere at a big film festival. Maybe they get, the filmmakers get paid a bunch of money for an acquisition. Maybe there's some awards attention or something like that. And then it, it gets released and, and performs pretty well. And those kind of things, even in this sort of uh, this bleak future, I don't think those things are going to go away, even if the movie doesn't get a theatrical, a major theatrical release. So I think independent film, maybe just the the definition of what success is, will need to uh, evolve a little bit. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, if if this does end up being the case and like more and more over the next, say, you know, two or three years, um, movies that typically would be in theaters uh, end up not going to to theaters at all and just debuting on streaming. I think it's on the streaming platforms to figure out a way to eventize the the movies a little bit. And whether that's something as simple as just saying, or maybe like, you know, spending a little bit of money in terms of marketing streaming movies. Because like, how often do you see, uh, you know, TV spots and things like that for the latest Netflix release, unless it's a really, really big thing that they've spent a ton of money on, like the Irishman or something. I feel like I don't really see too many TV spots for Netflix things. Maybe that's just anecdotal. I don't know. Um, But I think if these streaming services, which are paying insane amounts of money to, you know, whatever, tens of billions of dollars uh, per year in content, if they were to uh, create marketing budgets for this stuff and like every week just flood the TV channels with like, uh, you know, here are the, the five movies that are coming to our streaming service this Friday. Um, I think even something like that or like, you know, creating a, a line of tiles on their service that are like new, you know, brand new, whatever. So people don't have to, um, you know, yeah. s- go and search for stuff like this seems like I, I certainly don't want to make it seem like I know more than the people who are <laughs> who are like in the trenches working on this stuff day in and day out at these tech companies, because I certainly don't have the the level of detailed understanding that they do of how all this works and the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. But it just feels like that would be a, a somewhat simple, um, you know, relatively easy uh, kind of solve for the thing that we're talking about. And it would, it would at least get people on the same page about, okay, this is brand new. This is a new thing. This is something that maybe people are talking about, whatever. Um, so 
you know, if they can crack that, then maybe independent movies that the future of indie films is not quite as bleak as it would be. Because another, you know, big thing for success, I think, is just the amount of people that see the thing. Um, and, you know, e- even somewhat big movies on that, that are that we would call indie films, um, they, they probably see are seen by way more people digitally than they are in theaters, right? Like yeah. you, you watch more movies per year than anybody I, I know. What percentage of those are like at home versus in a theater? Do you think? I would say the majority are definitely at home because I get screeners and stuff like that. So. Yeah. So even you, like the, you know, one of the, the biggest cinephiles I know, if that's the case for you, then it has to be the case for the average, uh, the average viewer, um, you know, out there in the world. So I don't know. I, I think, Maybe this whole thing that we've been so scared, uh, this situation that we've been so scared that might happen, maybe it won't be quite as bad as as we've thought. So a couple other positives I've I've written down here as um, you know maybe silver linings for this kind of reality if we if it end up ends up coming true is that uh, more diverse voices would be telling stories that we wouldn't otherwise have seen. And and Russo says that in his quote, like you know. You get more money to make these movies digitally. It's the easiest thing for Netflix to greenlight and nobody really bothers you creatively. So uh, we've seen, I mean, just look at like Squid Game right now. That's like a perfect example of something that I don't think would have been, that's a TV show and not a movie, of course. Yeah. But um, that's that's probably a good example of something that that might have, if that was a movie, I think that could have fallen in that same uh, that same pattern of like, a splashy kind of film festival release, maybe a, a circle of critics like try to to back it and, and get people excited about it. But I don't think it would have the same um, immediate success that it, it did uh, in its current form on Netflix. Um, and then shorter release windows would be another positive. Like uh, that's a thing that I think the pandemic has has helped with. Um, you know, sort of breaking Hollywood out of its mold a little bit. Um, and and making these movies available for people on streaming, you know, whatever it is now, the new normal is like forty five days or something. So um, that may change a little bit and may may evolve a little bit as we sort of maneuver through different stages of the pandemic. But um, but I don't know. I, I think maybe it's not quite as bad as it seems. What do you think, Chris? Am I am I um, being too optimistic here? I mean, you know, that definitely does sound optimistic. But I I hope it's correct i i feel like the key ingredient thing here is we can make this work we just have to and i'm using like the royal way it's not going to be me i'm not doing shit (laughs) but but i i feel like we can get this to work we just have to figure it out i don't think we're quite there yet but if this is the future this you know uh, indie films are, are destined to be streaming now we just have to we have to figure that that way out to make them stand out and not just be part of the dirge of content where yeah. we're currently buried in. And I don't know how, don't ask me. Someone smarter than me has to figure this out. And I hope they do because, you know, it would be nice. <laughs> yes, I agree. All right. Uh, well, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. 
Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you on Monday.